none of it ever made medical sense. It was so obvious from the very beginning that none of it was medical. None of it was related to healthcare. If it had been related to healthcare and the lockdowns were necessary, they would have locked everything down. But they didn't, and we know the tale. If they were concerned about tracking a disease, they would have established an infection benchmark. What, what is a case? If they chose to use PCR tests, though they weren't designed for that, they would have established then what PCR cycle threshold will we use? Will it be 20 or will it be 40? The CDC would have said to labs nationwide, use this PCR threshold. They didn't do that. They would have created a clear difference between people who had the virus and were sick with it versus someone who had one time had it in their body, but they didn't do that. It was never about healthcare, ever about healthcare. If it had been about healthcare and masks worked, no way on earth that would have had you take them off once you sat down at your table in the restaurant. If it was about healthcare, no way on earth would they have said, the Sturgis motorcycle rally is a death trap for COVID, but Black Lives Matter incorporated riots are not places that COVID spreads. Trump rallies, yes. Antifa riots, no. It was never about healthcare. And there is a new piece by Debbie Lerman in the Brownstone Institute's website that is chilling. Because everything we observed about the COVID response was right. It was never about healthcare. Because the healthcare people, although you have the tyrant Fauci, the liar Burks, the supplicant Redfield, all of whom I pray for. We had them as the face of this, but where did Debbie Burks come from? Why was she brought on? This article of the Brownstone Institute answers this, and here's the headline. Government's national security arm took charge during the COVID response. Yeah, it was never about health care. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America... Here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. I'm remembering the trick I have to use when my voice gets this way, sometimes during the winter. Honestly, I don't feel as bad as I sound. And I do apologize for the sounds. Grating. Probably be a better Fauci though, right? Well, me. No, actually it hurts. I can't do Fauci. Oh, it's a tragedy. Yeah, none of this ever made any sense. 
I remember watching this when it first happened. There were 30, and I'm counting them as I'm watching this, 30 cops, New York Police Department, surrounding a little boy. This is a six-year-old boy being kicked out of a restaurant. And I'm not kidding when I say there's about 30 cops. Wow. Scaring a child, traumatizing a child. Hope you feel good about yourself, NYPD. Now more cops have come. This is disgusting. This is gross. You guys failed us last night. You failed us last night. And, you know, people stood by the cops as the Democrats poured hatred upon them. And officers were misused in that way. It never made any sense. Not medically. It makes a tremendous amount of sense from a perspective of national security research. It makes a tremendous amount of sense if you wanted to run a PSYOP on a nation. It makes a tremendous amount of sense if that was the goal. Because that's what they've yielded. They've yielded great research on who will take the knee and who won't. The only knee we take is to the Lord. The Todd Herman Show. Hey, my friends, uh, Tim Cruikshank at Bonefrog Coffee, bonefrog.us. Uh, he does not take the knee for anybody but the Lord. He, he uh, was a 25-year Navy veteran, is a 25-year Navy veteran. He was a Navy SEAL, and specifically, he was a medic with the Navy SEALs. So not only carrying a gun and using it, but being there to work on folks who got hurt and uh, injured and, and try to save lives. So he doesn't take a knee to anybody but the Lord. And this includes on the bags of Bonefrog Coffee, God Country Team. I was so, so sad when I watched a veteran-owned coffee company fold. And they were the Second Amendment coffee company. And they folded uh, when Kyle Rittenhouse had to take advantage of his Second Amendment right to save his life. I was stunned. I, I I didn't think it was possible. And I know Tim Cruikshank fairly well, and the God Country team is not coming off the bag. You know, even if it's a big retailer comes along and says, we'll distribute you, but we can't have God Country team on the bag. It's not coming off. And that is a decision to stand firm. There's also this, that he refused to do what he could have done. This is what he could have done. Bonefrog is a great brand. Go look at the website, bonefrog.us. Tim tells a great story. Go watch him tell his story. Look at the merchandise. They could have just private labeled any old coffee. Honestly, they could have. And just called it Bonefrog. They didn't do that. (laughs) That's not in Tim's blood. So they turned to a coffee legend, Dave Stewart, who helped build Seattle's best coffee company. And now mentors Bonefrog.us and Tim, and in fact, makes some of the roast, this coffee legend. See, he's going to do it the right way. Bonefrog hires vets whenever they can. They work with veteran-owned companies whenever they can. 
And when you purchase Bonefrog from Bonefrog.us, know that you are supporting families of fallen Navy SEALs. That's in Tim's heart. And the coffee is available in all the delivery methods from K-Cup to, to Drip to French Press to Whole Bean, Espresso, whatever you like. Try this at bonefrog.us. And if you've tried it and you've loved it and you've not yet signed up for a subscription, do that now at bonefrog.us. It helps this podcast. It helps Tim. And it helps remind folks what it's like to stand and to refuse to take the knee to anything other than the Lord. The only knee we take is to the Lord. The Todd Herman Show. Yeah, it never, ever made any sense as anything other than a, a psyop. And it was a psyop. It was a psyop from the very beginning, in my judgment. You've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. People who are incubators for every variant to come, walking around lawfully unvaccinated? That's psychotic. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death. CDC for yourselves, guy. your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. About this, in a world of threats and tyrants and terror, you know what our biggest enemy is in America? Our fellow Americans. They are the ones that are propagating this outbreak. Being frustrated that there is still a percentage of the population are, who are not vaccinated. I wish that he would go further to restrict mm. the activities of the unvaccinated. Vaccinated person having a heart attack? Yes, come right on in. We'll take care of you. Unvaccinated guy who gobbled horse goo? Rest in peace, Wheezy. You're... <laughs> That 25% can cause a lot of damage, and they are. If you're willing Gene to Simmons. walk among us unvaccinated, you are an enemy. That's Gene Simmons, big rock and roll rebel. It was a psyop. The COVID flu was less deadly than influenza for most people. And now the Brownstone Institute and this is such an important piece. And in a sane, fair world, this would be the top story, even during election season. Debbie Lerman. In previous articles, I've discussed the probability that Deborah Burks, the White House Coronavirus Task Force Coordinator, was not a representative of the public health agencies, but rather was appointed by the National Security Council. I now have proof this was indeed the case. I've also uncovered documents that show, as of March 13, 2020, the National Security Council was officially in charge of the U.S. government COVID policy. Starting on March 18, 2020, the Federal Emergency Management Agency under the Department of Homeland Security was officially in charge of the U.S. government's COVID response. The COVID task force was brought in by the National Security Council. On March 11, 2020, at a Heritage Foundation talk, Trump's National Security Advisor Robert O'Brien, when discussing what the White House and NSC were doing about the virus, said, We brought into the White House Debbie Burks, a fantastic physician and ambassador from the State Department. We appreciate Secretary Mike Pompeo immediately moving her over to the White House at our, well, at the President's request. Let's hear that again. At our well, at the president's request. No, President Trump didn't know who Debbie Burks was. President Trump didn't say, get me a bureaucrat from the State Department. 
Does anyone believe President Trump knew Debbie Burks existed? The National Security Council was in charge of her COVID policy. An astonishing government document dated March 13, 2020, entitled PANCAP Adapted U.S. Government COVID-19 Response, embedded at the, it's, it's by the way, this is all linked in the show notes, reveals that the United States policy to SARS-CoV-2 was not set by public health agencies designated in pandemic preparedness protocols, but rather by the National Security Council. And in fact, there's an entire flow sheet to show chain of command and how these agencies work together. The National Security Council was running this. According to its website, the NSC is the president's principal form of considering national security and foreign policy matters with his or her senior advisors and cabinet officials. The NSC does not include, as regular attendees, any representatives from the public health-related agencies. It does include the president's national security advisor, who's the president's most important source of policy advice on foreign and national security policy, according to the White House Transition Project for the National Security Advisor's staff. In some administrations, the document continues, foreign and national security policymaking is essentially centralized in the hands of the NSC advisor with minimal input from cabinet-level departments such as state or defense. Furthermore, there's little statutory or legal constraint beyond budgetary limits and how the role of the NSC advisor is defined or how the NSC staff is organized and operates. In other words, she writes, if the NSC is in charge of the COVID response, it can pretty much decide and impose anything it wants without constraints or oversight, as long as the president or at least uh, agrees or at least lets them take the lead. But what exactly is PANCAP A in which the NSC appears in such a surprising COVID response leadership role? PANCAP A is the closest we have to a national COVID response plan. It stands for Pandemic Crisis Action Plan Adapted. Why were we not told this? Why, why was this hidden from the American people? Why is it the Brownstone Institute? And, and look, I'm not saying that the Brownstone Institute is not, not a fantastic organization. Why are they the ones digging this up? Now, for all of us who watched and and saw what they were doing in the PSYOP. Well, you know, it's my rights. And my, okay. <laughs> but I don't care. The pandemic of the unvaccinated. Well, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And, that, and, they're, and they're killing people. Freedom not to follow the facts, even if your freedom kills people. What kind of freedom is that? What kind of freedom do they really want? We have a pandemic because of the unvaccinated, and they're selling enormous confusion. The unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals, are overrunning emergency rooms and intensive care units, leaving no room for someone with a heart attack or pancreatitis or cancer. Shouldn't they have to pay more into the system because they are collapsing our health system? They're the ones in the ERs. Require vaccination universally. Have the military run it. If you don't want to get vaccinated, you better be ready to prove your conscientious objector status in court. It's almost like it's going to be two Americas. Almost. Those of us who watched that and now watch it again, 
What was the enemy? It wasn't the virus. The enemy was critical thinking. The enemy was analysis. The enemy was, in fact, as bizarre as this sounds, common sense. The enemy were people like us who said, wait a minute. This is a 99.87% survival rate. What are we doing? That was the enemy. So why wouldn't the National Security Council run this? And this is really becoming part of a theme, and it's a, it's a haunting theme to me. See, I expect Russia to want to topple this country. <laughs> I'd be disappointed if they didn't. I mean, that will be done, that kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, but that's, that's only possible with God. I expect our adversaries to try to topple us, our enemies to try to ruin us. I expect that of China. But the chain analysis, as we start to look at what our intelligence agencies are, going to the FBI as the prime example, looking at the actions of the CIA in Brazil, we talked about that yesterday. I beg someone to bring me a logical response to this question. If they will use color revolution tactics against other countries, because they, being the best and the brightest, the most knowledgeable, the most important, have determined that Brazil should go the way of the left and that China should, in fact, run that entire continent down there which is what will happen if this election stands. China will run it. They, in their inestimable wisdom, make those decisions for other countries. Why would they not make it here? What exactly would stop them from employing the same tactics here? Because remember, this was a global event. It was launched all at once. And I'm very curious to see what other countries had their so-called COVID response run by their intelligence services. What we're facing is monumentally evil. And it was brilliantly predicted in the Bible. And we need not fear it. In fact, we're told to not fear it, but we need to understand what it is. And simple pattern recognition, looking back and now looking forward. Looking forward. The PSYOP is continuing. Fauci just said in that clip we played, you know, it's almost like this two Americas. That's true. There's part of America who understands what these injections are doing. There's part of America that does not understand what these injections are doing because no one will tell them. This is a continuing portion of the PSYOP as I see it. And it is crazy making people. It's splitting families. 
it's causing half of America to think the other half is nuts because we don't want the mRNA. We don't trust it. And it's causing some of us to feel great, great frustration and disappointment and upset by people who did get injected. Hey, the uh, soda weight loss protocol is one way to stay out of the grasp of these folks. This is the, now I'm not talking about good doctors. I saw a good doctor over the weekend. I have friends who are in healthcare. I've, a couple of my friends are doctors and they're, they're good godly people. So I don't, I don't speak as a whole. I speak of the system and the system makes a lot of money treating disease. And, you know, I used to hear people say that and I think, oh, that's fantastical. And, oh, come on. Are you really thinking that way? Well, the more that I look at patterns, the more I say, why are we now, why are we now trying to glamorize being, uh, having too much fat on your body? Have you noticed this? It's, it's being celebrated and glamorized. Now, the opposite is also a problem. People who carry too much body fat are not bad people. Good Lord, no. You know, I was 150 pounds, uh, had too much fat, 150 pounds of fat on my body that didn't belong there. My dad spent his life an obese man and he never approached it. I never got to tell him about soda weight loss. But seizing control of the core issues in our body can keep us out of the clutches of the system. Right? That's just to me another motivation to stay healthy. I say this where the fact that my voice sounds terrible today, but that's a human feeling that just happens to us. So when you go to soda weight loss, you're not just dropping unwanted fat. You're not just becoming more healthy, but you're making it less likely that the people in the system ever get their grips on you. And you're respecting the temple that God loans us. The body is our temple. And with soda weight loss, you're working with healthcare providers. You're working with a company that started as all of one location in Dallas, Texas, very quickly, it was three and then seven. And then looking at their data, they said, wow, we have people coming from Florida to Dallas, Texas to drop unwanted fat because their protocol is that good. And I share it with you just as I share it with beloved family members. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. Oh, by the way, that stands for state of the art because they are sodaweightloss.com. The PSYOP continues, and this has, to me, all, all of the handles of all of the patterns we're working on and we're seeing. Remember that the Department of Homeland Security was in bed with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. Remember that YouTube has announced for all the future, the only way for you to be a trusted physician, if you're putting out content as a doctor, the only way for you to be a trusted physician in YouTube, the, 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 the world's second largest search engine, by far the biggest video service ever. The only way for you to be a trusted healthcare official is to pledge to support the diktats of the World Health Organization. Control the health, control the people. Karl Marx, control the healthcare, control the people. Control the finances, control the people. I can't remember his name. He died. He was a congressman, but I remember that he was speaking candidly about Obamacare. 
And they were talking about it, you know, the public option, they call it, which is, of course, not an option. It's a seizing of the healthcare system, officially seizing it with the government officially saying we're taking it over. And this this congressman said it took a long time to pass Obamacare because it took a long time to quote and I quote to control the people. To control the people. We have just watched the government seize healthcare. They couldn't make Obamacare stick. It was never as big as they wanted it to be. It never permanently broke the back of private healthcare so that it would be run by insurance companies and big hospitals, big hospital systems and big insurance companies who work together. You know, if you go in for a sprain, if you go in for a broken arm and you don't have insurance, they can find ways to lower the cost for you. Where if you have insurance and they go jack the, the price up and you end up paying both ways through premiums and a higher price, they're in this together. Now we're watching the government seize right now in front of us control of opinion. In separate countries like Washington State and California, it is illegal, functionally illegal for doctors to give you their direct medical advice related to you. Here's what I mean. If you're someone who absolutely should not take these injections, let's say, for instance, the injection contains something that puts you into an anaphylactic shock and you coded and had to be revived with the, you know, with the paddles and your, your heart had to be shocked back into life. I know a woman to whom that occurred. She was a nurse. And her big healthcare system was saying, we don't care. You're going to get injected anyway. And she said, but I had to go to your hospital. You let me work from home because of the damage that happened to me last time I had to take a drug with this ingredient. I had a heart attack. I died. I had to be revived. And they said, we don't care. That was a hospital system. Now her doctor could be have his license stripped for telling her that. And if that doctor took that knee, she'd go get shot up and die and he'd have it on his conscience. This is a monumentally huge psyop and it's, it's worse. It is a taking of the healthcare system by fear, by bribery, by, by demonstrating to Dr. Peter McCullough, we're going to strip you of everything, doctor. Ryan Cole, we're going to ruin you. This is thuggery, flat out. And though the media has started now to make noise about, oh, the lockdowns weren't that great, and Jake Tapper's surprised that we didn't have a national conversation on it. And the media is starting to ask some questions about, did we lock schools down too much? They will not address, not in any way, the core issue, which is the ongoing deaths being caused by these injections. Yes, God bless Tucker Carlson for touching on it. God bless Laura Ingram for bringing it up from time to time. I mean it. They've got massive platforms. But whistleblowers continue to come out. And thank God for the local media that does report this. There are local news stories that do report on things happening in our hospitals, like stillbirths 
which are occurring at record levels. An email recently shared with the Epic Times, which was sent out to the healthcare staff of a hospital system in Fresno, California, reported an increase in, quote, demise patients or stillbirths. According to the email, that is expected to continue. A managing nurse wrote, there were 22 demise patients in August 2022, which ties the record number of demises in July 2021. And so far in September, there have been seven, and it's only the eighth day of the month. The staff member who leaked the email told the Epic Times that, since the rollout of the vaccines, fetal death has skyrocketed from its pre-COVID-19 vaccine average. She said it used to be one to two deaths every three months in her hospital alone. The staff member spoke to the Epic Times on condition of anonymity due to fear of losing their job. The Epic Times reached out to the head nurse who wrote the email to request a statement on why there has been a rise in what she called, quote, demise patients, but there has been no response. Dr. James Thorpe in Florida, who specializes in maternal fetal medicine, told the Epic Times that the content of the email is consistent with over 1,300 peer-reviewed publications in just 15 months documenting severe complications and death after the COVID-19 vaccines. Shortly after mass injection projects in countries, this is happening. It's just happened in Italy. It continues to be the pattern everywhere that these injections have been pushed on people. The fact that this is not reported means it's happening. Now think of this. The fact that this is not reported means it's happening. The data is the data. Who has the power to cause the media to hide massive deaths caused by pharma? And the deaths will continue because of the changes it's made to people's bodies. Who has the power to do that? Who was running the COVID response for the United States? I used to work with a guy who was a longtime reporter, and he was an old-style newsman. And I asked Dan, and I won't say his last name because I don't have permission to tell the story. I'm sure he'd give the permission. In fact, I should call him and get him on the show. But Dan was an old-time newsman. He was, when I say old-time newsman, he was a guy who I had no idea what his ideology was. I could guess because he grew up in Seattle and lived in Seattle. But I can tell you this, when I brought, when I broke a story, and this was the beginning of the whole entire transgender lie, when I broke a story courtesy of a friend named Kaylee about the YWCA in Pierce County in in, in the separate country of Washington, allowing naked men to shower next to 14-year-old girls and the girls freaking and running out of the showers terrified of these naked men being allowed to shower next to women who are in fact rape survivors. <clears throat> and these women going to the YWCA staff saying, there is a naked man in there. And the staff saying, no, that's a woman. When I broke that story, Dan came to me and said, you have a nose for news. This is huge. This is such a big story. Likewise, I, I broke some stories that were very, very embarrassing for Jay Inslee and for the transit uh, thugs in Seattle. And again, Dan came to me and said, this is fantastic. You've got a nose for news. That's a big thing for a newsman to say nose for news. 
So one day I, I asked Dan about the government pressuring news organizations to not cover stories. And he was characteristically very honest with me. He said it does happen. And he gave me an example because I asked him about a specific example. And Dan shared with me examples where as a reporter and the news director, he was aware on a national basis, on a national basis of the government saying, don't publish that and organizations not publishing it. The PSYOP continues. Hey, my friend, Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management. Um, Look, he's been, he has been standing up to what we're supposed to say about finance uh, for a very long time. And when I say these things, I really don't mean to pick on employees at, uh, you know, at Schwab Private Banking or Fidelity or, you know, uh, Betterment, which is an algorithmic investments uh, service. I don't mean to pick on anybody. Uh, The people I do point out are the the Larry Finks of the world and the George Soros's of the world and the Tom Steyers of the world who know exactly what they're doing. And Jamie Dimon, and he knows exactly what he's doing. And the gaming and rigging of the system against us, that's, that's self-evident. Now, you can speak these truths privately, like I used to hear when back in the venture capital days, hey, Todd, don't say bubble. There's no bubble. Are you talking? Are you crazy? Of course there's a bubble, but we don't say that out loud. Don't ever say it in public. Well, Zach's been talking about the bubble in public for almost a decade. He looked at the patterns. Like there's a reason that Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management back in the day when he was just Zach Abraham, why he was shorting housing stocks. He was looking at the patterns. Zach has been looking at the patterns saying, Europe's going to have one heck of an energy crisis. It's coming. He's been looking at us saying, you know what? I think there is going to be a food supply chain problem. Maybe not as bad in the United States, but in Europe, yeah, it's going to be bad. And he's been looking at the patterns. And he set his company up on one thing, risk management. That's their focus, risk management at Bulwark Capital Management. So when you take your money to them, that's their focus with your portfolio. So portfolio. So here's my, my, my challenge for you before the end of the year. Get in touch with Bulwark Capital Management and see if your portfolio is calibrated for risk management. In other words, can it make it through the chaos economy? Is it correctly set up? And just spoiler alert, if you're going to go in and you're using the 60-40 stock bond mix, we all learned it's not set up for the chaos economy. Here's how to get in touch with him and find out if your portfolio is set up for the chaos economy. 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bower Capital Management is an investment advisor representative. Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. So I talked to my friend, Dan, and I said to him, hey, can I ask you a question? I said, look, I've learned that you will run any news story as long as you, it's well-sourced. And as long as it's newsworthy, it's not just some fluff that you don't care who it hurts. You'll run it. He goes, absolutely. He goes, do I always want to see on our air what's on our air? Nope. Sometimes it's affecting an issue I care about. It's making the issue look bad or it's making my position look bad. Um, He goes, look, I've had to report stories that made friends look bad, but that's the news. This is why I love this guy so much. 
And so I brought up to him Project Cassandra. You heard me mention this. When did I bring this up? Oh, I broke the, I brought this up with Sarah Miller. We talked to Sarah last week. Remember Sarah Miller? And, 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 I, and, and probably Sarah Carter. I, I, but Sarah Carter. I brought this up with Sarah Carter. And I said, Sarah, Project Cassandra, do you remember this? She goes, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're mentioning this. Yes. Project Cassandra was Barack Obama stopping the indictment of, of two groups working together, the Taliban and narco-terrorists in Mexico, to bring drugs into our country, over, across, and through our southern border. <laughs> a, a terrorist group we were in battle with, and narco-terrorists who were toppling the country to our immediate south, making our country less safe. They joined forces to flood our country with drugs. The Taliban was funding their, uh, their, their fight against us. The cartels are funding their takeover of Mexico. And the fun byproduct for them is they're destroying a generation of Americans with cheap available drugs. This happened at a time when heroin deaths were skyrocketing. And with some major help by from people in pharma who invented pain as the fifth vital sign, yet another lie in pharma's great long portfolio of lies. So I said to Dan, this piece is sourced. There are named intelligence agents currently working who spoke to the Politico on record. And there were former intelligence officials who spoke on record. With their names. They were so upset that the White House had stopped this indictment. They didn't stop the investigation. They stopped the indictment. They were about to arrest these people. And Dan said, yeah, that's a big story. That should be a bigger story. I said, why isn't it? He goes, well, I can't say for sure, but I'll tell you. um, In a lot of wartime instances, I know that at, at the national level, Big, big, big networks get calls saying, do not report this. And you'll get national security people on the phone with them saying, do not report this story. Now, we've heard tapes and seen video. Famous war room footage from the Clinton campaign. Where George Stephanopoulos is calling down to reporters saying, don't you dare report the sex stuff. If you report this, you'll never get access to the White House. You'll never interview President Clinton. You'll never interview Vice President Gore. You'll not so much as get a spokesperson on your show. We won't even send you video news releases. You're going to be trash. Your name will be trash in this White House. You'll never, ever get news from us. We'll give it all to your competitors. When President Clinton comes to town, you'll never see him. Well, that's one thing. Do we believe that a CDC and an FDA, which is on record, seeking to destroy the careers of doctors who stood against the lockdowns and, and, and not, not, hey, let's debate these people. Let's bring them into a public forum and show them to be wrong. But with a shock and awe reputation attack against these doctors with a seeking to crush them. And we're watching doctors be crushed. 
Do we think this somehow doesn't extend to big media? Do we think that they wouldn't employ the same techniques? There's an interesting pattern. Independent media people will talk all day long about the COVID flu and the injections. Look at Steve Bannon. Bannon's got a a gob of money. He's a Goldman guy and a film producer. Fascinating dude. He speaks openly. Berenson. Alex Berenson. I don't agree with him on, on, well, frankly, much aside from drugs and pharma. But he speaks openly. Dr. Paul Alexander is independent. He speaks openly. And there's many others with far bigger platforms than God's gifted us. But there's another pattern. The closer into corporate media, the less likely any of this stuff is to be discussed. The Epic Times is not corporate media. Their outlet, NTD News, is not corporate media. I mean, it's a corporation, but it's not corporate media. Who has the power to cause things like this to not be covered? Boardrooms? Who can be folded by pressure from the National Security Council on a phone call basis? And how would a phone call like that go? A phone call like that might go like this. Hey, I know some of your investment portfolios could really, really be harmed if this stuff came out about the, uh, the injections. I'd hate to see that happen. And incidentally, if you think this sounds far-fetched, I was threatened with destruction of reputation in Washington, D.C. within six months of taking that job. No, within, yeah, within about three months. I had a guy and his, his brother, who's a lawyer, sit in my conference room and in, in, in front of witnesses threatened to destroy me reputation-wise, and not just in politics, but everywhere. Because he didn't get a contract he felt was his. That's the way the game is played there. Fortunately, I'd worked in a kneecapping, backbiting, backstabbing environment for a number of years. And I was prepared to fight back on that front and to let this guy know, hey, not a soft target over here. The PSYOP is continuing. And the fact that the National Security Council ran this ran a response is not a huge issue. It means it's a huge issue. And that leads me to one more thing. On a personal basis, I got to tell you, I I have been praying so consistently to have the Lord help me live within the fruit of the Spirit. And when I was reading about this and reading about the fruit of the spirit and helping, trying to help me enjoy this, I was going through some steps of gratitude of thanking the Lord for things. And I went and I was thanking the Lord for sending me to Washington, D.C. to go learn what was going on there. And I got the most chilling, chilling thing back from God in this prayer. And I don't know how God speaks to you 
Sometimes it's through dreams. Sometimes it's through the church. Sometimes it's through his word. And you just go, oh my gosh. Sometimes for me, it's in quiet prayer where I give myself the gift of listening to God. So when I thanked him for the experience in D.C., I heard the most astonishing thing. Wow, this has been sort of a theme show, and I didn't really intend it to be that, but it really is sort of a theme show about standing up and continuing to stand up even when it gets really, really hard. Um, Mike Lindell has been doing this at my pillow for, well, forever. I mean, it's really been since he began uh, to speak out in, in any serious way about politics, where the left really began to target him and really began to try to hurt him and really began to try to ruin him. And it's been that since that period of time that Mike has had to truly, truly fight for everything related to his company and to be able to continue to hold on to his company. And his company has flourished because of that, because of the fight that's in Mike and because of how Mike struggles on a daily basis to continue the fight. And I've expanded the amount of my pillow products in the house. Uh, I have my pillow slippers, which I'd love to talk about. They are actually, I, I, I think I could wear them as, as shoes. I mean, they're wonderfully comfortable, but they're firm, etc. But it's the sheets that have my attention right now. And I don't know that I've discovered a sheet that has what I would call the ability to contain coolness. That's not a word. I mean, what would I say? Cold? It's not cold. It's not chilly. It's coolness, like a sheet should be. And they're smooth. And I think they go beyond smooth. You get a special deal. You can get a, a, a set of bed sheets for as low as twenty nine ninety eight. So you go to MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use the promo code Herman for special deep discounts on MyPillow products. It's all quality. It's all 100% American made. That's MyPillow.com slash Herman. And use the promo code Herman. MyPillow.com quality bed sheets as low as $29.98. Go to my page. That's MyPillow.com slash Herman. Use the promo code Herman. And by the way, that promo code works for a lot of money off all sorts of products at MyPillow.com slash Herman. So I was in this prayer and I'd ask God to help me live with the fruits of the Spirit. Love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, patience, uh, forbearance, self-control, gentleness. I, th- I, I, I added some. I'm not trying to add to God's word. His word alone is sufficient. But I thank the Lord for the experience in D.C. Thank you for sending me to D.C. to go see what, was, what, 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 what it was like. You know what I heard? Oh, I didn't send you there. Oh, that wasn't me. Oh, I protected you. Yeah, I protected you while you were there. Yeah, it was through me that you didn't take the half a million dollar to a million dollar bribe that you were offered a couple weeks after you arrived. That was not you. That was me. It was through me that that, that being apart from your family, you rejected the advances of young women who work in D.C. to be in a power center and they use sexuality as a weapon to advance themselves and men do the same. It was through me that you were able to continue to see the filth. 
And the sins that you committed in dividing this country, it was to me you wept. And I heard you weep. Oh, but I didn't tell you to move away from your family. I I didn't tell you to create a confusing life experience with your daughter where, okay, so I live in Seattle, but now I'm in D.C. for a little while. And in these formative years, I'm going to have all this disruption. I didn't want you to disrupt your family. You were building the kingdom. I don't call people to leave their families unless it's to build the kingdom. You weren't building, you weren't doing anything to build my kingdom. I didn't tell you to go do that. You told you. You'd wanted that your whole life. That was your plan, Todd. Before you came to me in high school, you said, and you wrote it down. I want to be a talk show host, a captain of industry, and a dictator of a third world country. You were joking about the dictator of the third world country because you were afraid to say you wanted to work in politics. You wanted that your whole life. You were seduced by it. You found it seductive. And then you, you said to yourself, I'm back here to help the country. And maybe you were. But you weren't back there spreading my word. You weren't back there making disciples. Hey, your daughter had a neat kind of vacation from Seattle, but you guys were separated for a while. I didn't tell you to do that. I only protected you. And so now this all makes sense. God is showing us everything. Everything is being revealed including the fact that the PSYOP continues. And have we done a good enough job of thanking the Lord for protecting us from it? I don't think we have. I want to remedy that right now. Father God, thank you for revealing to us the lies and help us, Lord, walk this very difficult line of praying for the people who are bossing this country that they would take the knee to you and speak in truth about what they're doing. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and yes, let's do be grateful for God.